Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Australia. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, our listeners, vote, and at the at our live final, we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. Ooh, Hello, hey. Matt. Hey, Monty. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm really good because we've um, well, it's a special week this week because it's Australia, and also, well, we've got some special guests. We have indeed. Who do we have? We have got the boys, Dale and Mike from Aussie Vision. Hey, g'day, g'day, g'day. How are you? Hey, boys. How are you going? Good, thanks. How are you, boys? Yeah, going very, very well, thank you. Enjoying a little bit of off-season. We love sitting back and watching you guys take the podcast reins for the uh, six months. (laughs) Yes, we fill the off-season, but my God, you boys are busy in the on-season. You do incredible work. I mean, you two are the the voice of the Aussie Vision podcast, but I know you've got a huge and fantastic team uh, working there, and you do just incredible coverage. Oh, yeah, there's so much that we do, and we could not do it without our team. Uh, We've got like 25 people, but a couple of really key ones that help with everything from our website to our social media. But, yeah, it's been Mike and I from the start on the podcast um and yes we still do the three o'clock and four o'clock morning starts which are getting harder and harder the older that we get (laughs) it feels a little bit like we are getting up this morning because it's morning our time in the uk it's evening your time to accommodate the the time difference this feels a little bit like us getting up to watch australia decides Um, (laughs) but you know we do that (laughs) once a year and you get up virtually every weekend uh, throughout January, February, and March, uh, to to follow the national finals live, it's incredible dedication. Yeah, look, I mean, ultimately, it's a lot of fun as well. You know, we we get up because we're Eurovision fans, and um, it really is. I think the national finals for me is the magical part of Eurovision to a degree. You still see those quirky songs. You get such a variety from each different country. So it's fun. It doesn't feel like a chore. That's just as well because, I mean, there is so much work goes into producing the podcast, as Matt and I know. So, you know, well done, boys. I mean, you make such a huge impact. And it's absolutely delightful to have you as guests today. Thank you. Thank you. So, Matt, who's been writing in? Tell us about our bulging sack. Well, uh, our second isn't quite so bulging this week. We've got uh, Philip who said, Hey there, Oxford English Dictionary. Please consider the following word for inclusion in your next update, schlagification, as used by Monty in this most recent edition of Second Cherry. So we'll see how that comes along. Yeah, I want to get a word in the dictionary. I mean, I'm always making up all kinds of shit, so something's going to stick eventually. And then Bob said, since you turned to all the rage, can Second Cherry change their choice this week? I'm disappointed it hasn't gone my way. So that's in reference to Swedish episode, obviously. So uh, I think his little, um, you know, we know what he would have voted for, My Way by Tornis Agelius, possibly. I feel as though we've let Bob down a little bit in our choices <laughs> this year. He's normally absolutely behind us, but yeah, he's, uh, he's complained a couple of times, actually. Well, we need to, yeah, our customer satisfaction isn't great this year, is it? 
<laughs> I think you should immediately read out the uh, email that we've had. Okay, yeah, we had an email from Melissa, and she says, Hello, Madam Monty. Thank you for choosing Inim Dimam for Sweden's second cherry. No joke, this episode made my day. One of my favourite songs from last year's national finals. Melissa. Oh. Oh, thank you, Melissa. See, Bob? See what people think, really? <laughs> Oh, we still love you, Bob. We do. And that's our sack emptied. Fabulous. So let's get on and talk about the Australian national final this year. So Australia, the seventh time that Australia has participated in Eurovision. They've had eight songs, of course, because that includes the cancelled 2020. Uh, They debuted in 2015 with Guy Sebastian, We Can Do Tonight Again. And yeah, they did the following year. Um, But Australia has a long history in Eurovision, a long history of Australian singers, songwriters, and also has broadcast the contest since 1983. Their best result was in 2016 with Dami Im, who came second. I mean, boys, a short but fantastic history in Eurovision. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're so chuffed to be there. That's the main thing. And as you said, we've been, you know, there's been Australian artists for up, up 50 years now and broadcasting it for almost 40. But just being part of the contest for us is so amazing. Uh, but it was very good to be back in the grand final this year. We did not like missing out. We're a competitive nation. So it was very good to be back there. And, um, yeah, now we're loving it. It's been great. Well, you've had the whole sort of run of emotions now. But you've had a, a non-qualification as well because for the first few years, it looked as though you could do virtually no wrong. Yeah, look, I guess it was almost as painful as it was not to be there on the Saturday night. It's almost like a coming of age for a Eurovision nation. You have to you have to go through the highs and the lows. And, and um, yeah, it's it makes you realise you just can't take anything for granted and you've got to give it your all every every competition. Indeed. So this year's competition was held on the 26th of February at the Convention and Exhibition Centre in the Gold Coast. It, it started as a 10-song final and then an additional TikTok wildcard was announced, which was Erica Padilla with a song called To the Bottom. I'm sure there are no jokes about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And look, it was an interesting thing to have the whole TikTok wildcard, obviously a bit of a world first and, and uh, engaging in that sort of newer kind of platform, very much for younger people. And to be honest, I probably went in thinking, oh, cringe, cringe, here we go. But to be honest, I, I think with what we ended up with and how Erica performed on the night, I thought it was quite a success. So um, I, I'm a bit of a thumbs up for that. It's interesting to see how platforms like TikTok are being interwoven into Eurovision. You know, we know that some of the the songs get a second life on platforms like TikTok, like Snap by Rosalind from Armenia this year. And of course, Duncan Lawrence had a, a massive hit a couple of years after winning um, by taking off on TikTok. I felt that Eurovision itself was really embracing the platform this year as well, because we had those exclusive little video clips on, on TikTok. So Interesting to see how those newer social media platforms uh, intertwine even further with the contest in the years to come. So 11 songs competed. The final was hosted again by Miff Warhurst and Joel Greasy. We we love them. Uh, and 50% televote, 50% five-person jury. 
exactly the same setup as for Eurovision. The jury included Alexandra Roktan of Kano, our 2021 winners here at Second Cherry, and guests at our 2019 final, which was hosted with Eurofest at the RVT. So great to see Kano. And also, I think a really interesting juror for uh, Eurovision, Darren Hayes formerly of Savage Garden, now a solo artist. I'm a huge Darren Hayes fan, and I would love to see him at Eurovision, actually. Oh, he's an absolute legend, and I just think it shows how serious people do take it in Australia. Like, Savage Garden, one of our biggest exports in the world, and to have someone like Darren Hayes, who obviously lives over your end of the world these days in the UK, but he is from the Brisbane area, which is just up the road from the Gold Coast, so a local boy, and for him to be just judging it and being part of something like Australia Decides gives it a big thumbs up, um, I think, in our music industry anyway. So, yeah, absolute legend. Great to have him involved. Uh, he's um, he's left the UK now, actually. I think he's oh, in LA. He? But he, yeah, he was here for a while. Oh, I guess But actually, the day we're recording this is the day after his new album, Homosexual, Say What You See, um, was released. And actually, that does make some of those songs eligible for 2023 Eurovision. So, he is doing a show at the Gold Coast Exhibition Centre in February. So you never know, but it's like he's doing a show at the Gold Coast in February next year. So we know that much because he's touring Australia. I mean, that has to be a guest slot at least on, on, well, on yeah, Australia yeah, Decides. Here, right? Why not? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I've got tickets to see him in London next year. I, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan, and I love uh, the new album. So, yeah, Darren, if you're listening, because, of course, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> um, we'd love to see you at Eurovision next year, or any year. Actually, we'd love you for the UK as well. <laughs> Kano also performed in the final as guest, as did Montaigne from last year. And, oh, yeah, poor Montaigne, the, I think the only artist to be a Eurovision representative that's never actually gone to Eurovision. Yeah, it was it was such a strange journey for Montaigne, wasn't it? We had the first cancelled contest altogether, and then, unfortunately, travel restrictions stopped her from appearing on the stage at Rotterdam. So I, I think it's been a bit of a tough Eurovision uh, sort of experience for her. I think she's had all the emotions, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. So it was good to see her come out in front of the crowd, perform a little bit of Technicolor for us and um, and probably put a full stop on the end of that uh, little chapter. Yeah, I hope that she can sort of exercise the demons of Eurovision because she does seem like a, an interesting artist and one who should have a platform. So Australia Decides was, of course, won by Sheldon Riley with not the same. Uh, he qualified from the semi-final in second place with 245 points and in the final was 15th with 125 I was looking at the voting and he picked up a fair amount of televotes uh, and mainly jury votes in both shows. Um, But he picked up more televotes in the semi-final. Obviously, there are fewer songs to vote for. Only two points from the televotes, two points from Azerbaijan. That was a bit of a shock, I thought. Yeah, I would say so. Um, We probably knew it was a stronger jury song than a televote song, but I thought his vocal was very good. The presentation suited the song and was very professional looking. So I think overall people, and particularly the delegation, probably would have been a bit disappointed with that return. Um, Having said that, a lot of the um, solo male artists, for example, Azerbaijan, 
Belgium all struggled to get those tally votes. So it was a pretty crowded market. And of course, a lot of the votes went to a certain uh, gentleman from the United Kingdom. So perhaps, <laughs> he, uh, perhaps he outshone us on the night. Yeah, just on that, the running order absolutely killed us for sure. Like putting us between Sweden and UK, we were just always going to get absolutely smashed there. Would we got a huge amount of points? No, I don't think so from the telly vote, but we would have done a little bit better. I would have liked Azerbaijan slot around 18th. But hey, in the end, 15th is a great result. It was just the two points that felt a bit, yeah, not great. <laughs> Having come set, qualified in second place and then 15th feels like such a, a drop. When you think, well, if you've qualified in second, there's only a few other countries. But actually, because it's such a strong year for the top five or the big six, that then made a massive jump for Australia. I think it's probably still a really good result, though. I think you should be proud still. Let's have a little listen to Sheldon. I'm not the same. So Sheldon Riley there. But boys, tell us a little bit about the national final because you were there in the Gold Coast. What does it mean to have a national final? It's huge for us. We were talking earlier about the maturity of Australia at Eurovision, you know, going through a non-qualifier. The maturity of having a national final is massive. Uh, We're a big country. Like we're almost the size of Europe. And for people to travel from all over Australia, because we're very dedicated fans. We get up at five in the morning to, to watch it. We travel 24 hours in a plane and spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go to Eurovision. And so to go to a national final is a wonderful because we get to have like a mini version here in Australia. And to have a say in who's going to go over and represent us because we're very competitive, we're very opinionated, the passionate fans can be like a really, like a double-edged sword that we're really into it, but we're very critical when it goes wrong. So the fact that we get to have a say in it, uh, that we get to come together as fans from all over the country, particularly for this one after the pandemic, when we couldn't even leave the state, all our state borders were locked down. So just to get together have a few drinks uh, and have a party on the Gold Coast is very much uh, something Australian fans love. I'll also, I'll also add to that, guys, a, a national final, this kind of concept, very foreign. We have never really done anything like this until 2019. So, you know, for us to try and embrace this concept in such a rapid manner, I think Australian audiences have done very, very well because it's just something we have never done before. How is it slotted into the local music business? Look, I, I think very positively, to be honest, there is it is still seen very much as an honour to go and represent Australia at Eurovision. So I think there is good buy-in from, um, you know, aspects like record labels. They still want their artists to be shown out there, to have that opportunity to perform in front of 200 million people. It's just not an opportunity Australians 
get a lot of. So um, there is really good, I think, meshing between the industry and and getting the songs to the national final. I will say only having 10 songs in a one-off final or 11 on this occasion, it's not as if we've a la Norway or Sweden and get to present 30 to 40 songs and then whittle that down. And, and ultimately, it's also a selection show. It's primarily there to select an artist. So as far as a variety of genres, we are definitely going for what we think will do well at the contest rather than, oh, by the way, here's some really out there folk music or here's some country mm-hmm. and western, which might, you know. So, so there are different aspects which aren't being represented, but overall I think there's good buy-in from the whole uh-huh. industry. I think where it comes in, where it's probably some stuff that doesn't normally get the more commercial side, is a little bit more theatre and theatricals. You've seen like Kate Miller-Heike was very much in stage and theatre with a little bit of pop career in the past. Sheldon Riley, he's very theatrical in his approach. He's not going to get played on commercial uh, radio here, but it's a very it meshes very well with our TV music industry. So Sheldon Riley just played um, our second big sporting event, like almost like our Super Bowl, uh, like last week. He does TV music appearances. So they do get the names in and it's a launching pad because you'll see them perform a three months later and they'll say like Ella Hooper, who came second last or last, she went to Eurovision. They actually, the news here isn't smart enough to kind of go, they went to the Australia Decides. They say they went to Eurovision. So being associated with the brand of doing Australia Decides is massive for their career and they get a hell of a lot more bookings because of it. So, yeah, it's very respected. And a brand that seems to be growing as well. Oh, oh definitely, most definitely. It, it's a very positive thing, which is, uh, you know, hearing so much about the UK and the turnaround on how Eurovision is, is perceived. We have this very, very positive connotation with Eurovision. Yes, it's zany and out there and it's it's a show but it's still something everybody wants to watch and and it's seen as such a big big opportunity so tell us about what what's the experience like of being in the audience yeah look it was a little different this year due to we were just coming out of the pandemic so therefore we had seated on the floor rather than people standing but generally we're in an arena an arena that seats around about four to five thousand people and it's it's very much we try and put on our own little eurovision um we have interval acts we have postcards we have video cutaways and they're really trying to bring that experience in and and it and you know, have a room full of generally well uh, lubricated uh, audience members in in an alcohol kind of way, boys. <laughs> alcohol um, way. <laughs> it, it, it makes for a great atmosphere and it's a very big party weekend for all the fans here in Australia. I've only actually been to two UK national finals, even though we've had, you know, held so many over the years. Um, and it is a, a good atmosphere. We seem to be in the mode of choosing our song internally at the moment. Um, and it hasn't brought us great results until this year with Sam. But I guess, arguably, you know, the first couple of Australian songs did really, really well, and perhaps better than Australia decides as a route to choose. So there is always that balancing act between what's going to be the best. But I think there's, there, there, there isn't a better way of engaging the fans than having a national final, as long as you've got the interest of, you know, enough quality songs to put in there, which I think we just don't really have in the UK. It, you mentioned the turnaround there from Sam, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see who does put themselves forward for the UK because it's a big deal here now. Um, we're recording this the morning after Liverpool has been announced as the host for 2023. 
And just the coverage on the news uh, and the excitement. I mean, BBC running a whole live blog last night on the website just for this announcement. All over the news, live link-ups, live link-ups to the city this morning on the breakfast news. It's just, it's an incredibly different vibe around Eurovision. So I'm really interested to see how that translates to um, which artists put themselves forward. And I hope it's a turnaround for artists engaging seriously in Eurovision, offering a huge platform for them. But we can't stand around here chatting all day. We've got songs to listen to. So let's get to it. Song number one then is Bite Me by G Nation. That's what you thought, it's ain't enough for me. Oh, I'm so sweet, I'm a luxury. Love that brings the heat. Don't lie here, you can bite me. So, Dale, let's start with you. Thoughts on G Nation? I was so pleased. Um, uh, number one, great choice. I think it's a good one to put in there. Thumbs up from me on that one. On the night, they were such a good opening act and they brought energy. There's six of them on stage. There was a full choreographed performance and I just think they, they really had great impact on the night. The song itself um, was written by Leah Nanos, who actually uh, took part in Australia Size a few years earlier. So that was a really nice kind of turnaround and the fact that they went and performed that. It was great. So, look, I really enjoyed it. Did I love it? Did I pick up the phone for it? No. Uh, but I had no issue um, of it doing pretty well. And it did very well with the public vote uh, in Australia. Yeah. So, Mike, you were there, obviously. It was the opening act. How do you feel about the song? Good. I, I thought as an opening act, it, it, it did the job. It got the energy up. The girls certainly can sing. I think they're very strong in the harmony section of it. Um, I wish there was a little bit more in the staging and they seem to, I mean, we had these three massive uh, LED screens and they probably only used one of them. But overall, it's a very sort of modern, almost kind of K-pop meets um, American style girl band song. And and I think it kind of worked. So I'm a bit with Dale. I liked it. Not sure I completely loved it. Yeah, I'm the same. A bit of hyper pop and a strong girl group is right up my alley. But yeah, I see it more of like a seven out of ten a really solid national final song, but not quite not quite there. Yeah. Monty, what do you think? Well, the band were known from The Voice, is that right? And that was just the, the last season of The Voice, so the, the final in September. So it felt like they were sort of building on that success and, you know, the next obvious platform is something like Eurovision or uh, Australia Decides. I, I agree with you, Dale. I thought the, the energy of having this as an opening number was really fantastic. And um, I thought, you know, the... Um, the, the song's nice and lively. It was just what we needed to 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 open up. It's got that kind of, you know, a lot of attitude. It's kind of that, you know, come and get me. Don't I make you feel hot? Shower me in luxury kind of thing. It's lovely. It ran out of steam a little bit for me partway through, though. 
I mean, I don't know what the future of, of G Nation is going to be, but I, I had a look on their website and I found this statement. G Nation are an independent, unsigned, self-funded pop group, which is basically saying, yeah, there's nobody behind us, but, you know, we've got the enthusiasm. We will keep going. Yeah, it, it's an odd one. I can't really see them in the mainstream here in Australia, so perhaps an international route might be the one for the girls. Absolutely. Song number two, then, is Voyager with the song Dreamer. Mike, thoughts on Voyager? Well, didn't this one get everyone's attention? Um, I will say with Voyager in this song, there's almost a degree of traditional kind of Aussie pub, pub rock element in this as well. Then you've got the whole 80s synthesizer and, and, and the metal kind of elements to it. There is a lot going on. It certainly ticked a lot of boxes for fans here. I know it was the big favourite with the fans here. The performance on the night, I thought they were very good. They did bring a lot of energy. Whether that was captured through the camera, possibly not. But, I mean, I enjoyed the performance, but without probably being my number one on the night. Yeah, I think this passed me by a little bit in the lead-up to the national final. Uh, and then on the night, I was like, oh, this has got a bit of energy to it. I, w- I was ready with my comment to say, oh, it's dads at a wedding vibes sort of thing. Uh, but actually, uh, it's, it's much more than that. I think it probably would have won the Battle of the Bands if it went to Eurovision 2. But, yeah, that that's why I think uh, you, you like this bell, right? Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, I absolutely love it. And I tell you what, in the um, arena on the night, it went off. You know how there's always a difference with the arena to TV? I mean, in the arena, it won by uh, a million miles. Like, the place just – everyone was, was frothing. It was just so good. And on TV, it came through like, you know, 80%, you know, as in kind of – there was a few little messy bits. They didn't. They missed their camera. It reminded me a little bit of not the same song – but Electric Fields a few years ago where they performed to the audience and not the TV camera and Voyager was a little bit guilty of that and I think ultimately not being so clean hurt their jury, which ultimately is where they lost because they they won the televote. They're great guys as well and one female in the band, massive Eurovision fans, have been trying to go to Australia Decides for years. Um, This came from nowhere uh, as in terms of before the competition. We're like, oh, this is nice that they're doing it, but they're not going to have a chance of winning. And when the song came out, it's right up Australian Eurovision fans' alley. Whether or not that would have actually translated to Europe, I still have doubts on, but we didn't have to go and see that. But I tell you what, great song, great on the night. Yeah, second place, very close, Monty. Well, like you, Matt, this passed me by a bit, and it's only in going back and reviewing them for the purposes of Second Cherry that I've realised, oh, hang on a minute, there's something interesting going on here. I think when I watched the national final, I I kind of dismissed it as a possible Eurovision entry, and therefore I didn't really engage in it particularly beyond that. But I think, you know, I'm interested in what you're saying. This was the favourite with the Aussie fans going in. And actually, Voyager seemed to have 
a huge history as a band. Is that right? Yeah, they, I mean, they're based in Perth, so very, very isolated from everyone else. But they have been going for years. These guys have, have been playing the local scene over there, very highly regarded, so very professional. And and it's just it just brought this kind of rock that we had not had in our national final previously, and people were really going for it. You know, you had some people saying, "Oh, it's a probably don't send rock because of the monoskin effect from last year," and also I think it would have been very interesting coming up head to head against someone like Finland. They were in our semi-final. We also had San Marino with a big sort of, uh, you know, grungy rock number as well. It could have been a pretty crowded field if it had gone. So, yeah, I think we we probably dodged a bullet not sending it. But it was – I think the reason it was favourite, I mean, they were known – in a small group, but they weren't like, they're not nationally known. They weren't like a big band. It was Mm -hmm. just the music was just very much what Australia loves. And I think if we had the different system of the points where it wasn't capped for the televote, they probably would have gone. I think they would have won the televote quite strongly. And I think they would have probably beaten Sheldon perhaps. So uh, whether that was a good or bad thing, uh, we will never know. But I do think Sheldon was the right choice though. So I was going to ask, actually, were they sort of like a household name band or were they more locally known? Because I think that's always an interesting observation for me. I think I probably first noticed it through something like Melody Festival and when we used to go to the Swedish pub here in London to watch the heats and you get sort of, you know, half the room was um, London gay boys as Eurovision fans and half the room was sort of Swedes living in London. And, you know, we would cheer and whoop for different songs and sometimes you know an artist would come on that you know the gay boys would be like who the hell is this and the Swedes would be absolutely loving them and you realize that you know this artist actually had a a place in the the, the cultural psyche of uh, of Sweden and we had no idea so I was wondering whether um you know Voyager had that kind of like cult following or or cultural niche but uh, apparently not in this case but they just captured the captured the imagination of the fans Mm-hmm. So moving on to song number three is Sean Miley Moore with My Body. Oh, then Mike, kick us off. What, what about uh, my body? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what an eye-catching performance from Sean uh, on the night. It was a delightful frock. Um, I really enjoyed that. Look, he's such a wonderful performer. He's such so diverse and, and brings so much personality to the stage. And I thought that was one thing that he really did bring was this this wonderful, diverse energy to it. And he sold it 100%. He went for it. The song itself, ooh, I can't say it's one of my favourite ones. <laughs> and also it, it did sort of arrive at the party very late. I think it, the single itself was only sort of released about a week prior. So there wasn't much momentum coming in. But I think he could be very proud of his performance and, and the way he carried himself. And um, just I have to say, he looked like he was enjoying himself at the after party as well. But uh, 
perhaps another story. <laughs> That's <laughs> the stories Sean. we like to hear. <laughs> yeah, give us the gossip. Uh, yeah, we, we know Sean from the UK. I think it's UK X Factor, reminds me. Um, and also from the West End Theatre here. He's done some stuff here. So um, we he was on our sort of radar. There's no doubt about his talent. It is immense. I'm not quite sure. This song is just okay for me, like you said. I can't knock something this queer, though. It's so good to have that representation on stage i know it's kind of a bit hacked now but you know it's an okay song great message if a little overdone dale your thoughts on sean yeah uh look he such a talent and he was so engaged in the process leading up we do so much activity uh with aussie vision leading to australia decides like it's our kind of christmas and we always do this poll every year of fans and it's even scarily accurate actually and he was engaging with us on facebook and all our accounts and we did the poll and it came, his song came last. And he was like, kind of like, oh, and kind of commenting on that. And then just kind of, I think it kind of broke him. It hurt him a little bit. Like, I mean, just seeing that maybe it wasn't a really uh, loved song by the fans, but he still put his whole self into that performance and really represented well. And you know what? The staging looked really good until I thought the flag thing was a bit weird. The kind of blanket, picnic blanket, kind of trans rainbow flag. A normal flag would have been fine for it, but I still love the representation. And look, at the after party, he was great. A lot of artists when, and we had a chat, and he was like, I just, he really wanted to sing an original song, and he's really desperate to come back and do that again. You know, that's what he was sort of saying, and he kind of said that a lot. I don't think I'm sharing anything kind of too secret there. But, you know, I hope to see him back because he does have so much talent and a wonderful voice and a great attitude. There's no yeah. point having you on the podcast if you aren't going to give us the backstage gossip. Come on, deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah, as Matt said, this uh, Sean's the artist that we probably knew best in the UK. He made quite a splash on The X Factor. And I remember him from that. And I, I, I thought... He is a really interesting artist, but you know I hadn't heard much of him, so it was really nice for me to see him back uh, in the spotlight. I absolutely love this. I I really love it. I think the you're right with the performance. I think that thing about performing to the camera or performing to the crowd, it's a very different thing. And I do feel you have to do one or the other, and I think it's a little bit of a mix of both here. But there's something just so great about the queerness. I thought it was really interesting because there's echoes of uh, what Sean's wearing and he's wearing kind of like a a light a light pink light salmon one piece with a sort of half a dress on it um with an enormous train that he normally he he almost trips over it a few times. <laughs> I had my heart in my mouth a few times watching it. And it's not dissimilar to the way that Sheldon presented his performance, um, although that's a lot darker. Um, but I love the themes. I mean, I, I can't find the lyrics online, but from what I can hear, it's it's that sort of it's the confidence, the self confidence, but also the knocks that you get that, and where you internalize those feelings where you know people are people are commenting negatively against you so it's a song almost that there's a bit of defiance in this and i really like it and so for me bringing that queerness onto stage is just ticking all of my boxes vocally when he lets rip he has the most incredible voice but I think he oversings a little bit in places and it becomes a little bit breathy. And I think, you know, nail that part of your delivery and you've got an artist who 
you know, could be, uh, well, he is an original, and I think, you know, he could be bringing something so unique. So, yeah, this ticks all of my boxes. Yeah, well, I'm glad someone likes a song. Um, and look, I do agree. I think <laughs> I think he was just trying to oversell it. That was my take as well. I think he knew he, he had a song that wasn't going to resonate hugely. So he was like, I need to give a massive vocal performance. I've got Sheldon doing his thing. Maybe Sheldon kind of killed off his chances a bit too. But, I, you know, I still, his effort was amazing. Song number four then is Electrified by Andrew Lambrew. kick us up with this one sure yeah i think this has made the shortlist because there were maybe a couple of members of the wider second cherry team who were given to andrew's classically good looks <laughs> he's uh i mean he's undeniably a looker um whether he's a sounder or not i'm not sure he's um he's wearing a mac in the the first verse which that comes off by the second verse and he's into a vest and then he goes into into spanish language as well i like this um it's got the kind of club beats pulsing through this. It's kind of like those dirty beats that we love. Um, and it's kind of underlined, but it's. I think it's promising a little bit more than it delivers. It, it has the promise of something quite filthy about it. Uh, and I kind of want it to deliver the musical version of a good hard rotting. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I just think it, it's it's actually a little bit limp. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, first of all, let's talk about the man's aesthetic. Um, there was a press call on the Friday where they bring out the artist onto stage. He walked out. There was audible gasps. Uh, the man is ridiculously good looking people should not allow should not be allowed to look that good um on the song itself i i very much agree with you there monty there was something lacking wasn't there for me i feel like there's an almost eight and a half out of ten i'm into the groove i'm into it but i just want a bit more and we saw for example urs from romania bring probably something of a similar genre to the contest but he had a bit of grit to it and this felt a little safe as far as the staging goes, I think it's one of the better stagings we did for this national final because we played around with the camera aspects. The the colour palette was perhaps reminiscent of Switzerland 2019, was it? Um, so I think there were some good things in there, but I just wanted a little bit more. And perhaps Andrew might have been the one that wasn't delivering that killer punch for me. Yeah, look, I think Andrew has a whiff of the Robin Bengtsons about him. Uh, and so he, he is a very good looking guy. Uh, Dale, did he electrify you? Oh, in certain ways. Um, yeah, look, I think I think I'll start with the song. And actually, uh, a really good friend of mine was doing his PR for the whole thing. And when I, before I heard the song, he's like, oh, this is like Eurovision winning level. The song's amazing. And I heard it and I just thought the song was just terrible i was like this is not going to work live this is just mediocre you hear it any every eurovision national final but i must say 
I actually quite enjoyed the live. I thought the sta- what Mike said, the staging was really good. I thought it, it came to life a bit more than I expected it to because I thought it was just – maybe my expectations were just so low. But I actually really quite enjoyed it live. And, look, Andrew looked amazing and he got his guns out and it had a bit of energy but it started to die off and he just needed to move. He needed to dance and he looked a bit stiff. But – Difference from the jury show we get to watch in the press room the uh, night before. He was like a cardboard. He was he barely moved. And on a Saturday, it was a lot better. So I feel he's an artist who just needs to build confidence. He Actually, he's got it. Like, he can sing well enough. He looks bloody good. And, uh, you know, he's passionate about stuff. So, yeah, it, I, I enjoyed it overall. It probably came where it deserved. Yeah, it was sung okay, I think. It was a well-produced pop, dance pop song. Monty, did you like the song itself? I, I do. <laughs> yeah, no, I do quite like. I mean, I, you know, for all the good looks, he's not. You know, he's not actually my type. But I can see why. You know, people would be throwing their knickers at him. I, I did like the song, but I think it was the delivery that let it down a little bit. I think you know there there could have been so much more in it had he been not quite so stiff. To coin a phrase. <laughs> 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 Let's move on swiftly from that. Song number five is uh, Jaguar Jones with Little Fires. Mike, a national final in Australia, favourite really, Jaguar, what's your thoughts? Yeah, we, we big expectations on Jaguar this year and I think to a degree with the song she delivered, I think it's a fantastic song. Um, I did enjoy the performance. There's such a powerful message in this song and it is, she's such an advocate and, and such a strong personality and spokesperson for pretty much the Me Too movement here in Australia and and uh, against abuse within the industry. And that's really sort of consumed her career for the last two years. And I almost felt this this performance and this song was her sort of a cathartic moment for her to address that, to get it out there and almost let it, let it leave it behind. The song itself loved it. The performance, I felt it was good. It was ambitious, but it, it was felt a little hit and miss. There were big moments of yes, that that's exactly what I want, and then there's other moments where I'm like, oh, I feel like this is uh, lagging a little bit. But look, I, I really did feel it was a contender going in, and you know, ultimately, it wasn't too far away from uh, almost snatching the the, the ticket. So a, a good effort from Jaguar, and I love her to bits as a person and as an artist. Yeah, Dale, do you think we'll have a bat at the national final? I, I think she will actually. If if it if it continues beyond, I don't think she'll be back next year. But I could see her coming back in the future. Maybe something a bit more in her normal wheelhouse of that kind of bit more rocky vibe that she did with Rabbit Hole. But uh, you know, she put so much into this, and she really wanted to go, and she really wanted to have a message, and she's so engaged. And it was actually my favorite song going into the contest. And I kind of agree with like Mike where. I mean, she set herself on fire and she didn't even win. Um, but she, this, the, the last minute kind of just started to sag because you'd had the moment she came out and she was kind of, you know, belting it out as more of a rock kind of singer because she's not a Dami Im kind of vocalist. And she still did a really good job, but it, it kind of 
started just to lag away a bit and probably the moment was too early or something. It just didn't quite come all together in the end. So she only came fourth in the public vote, but won the jury. But yeah, great performance. Love her. I would love to see her back again, for sure. Yeah, that dress you spoke about, I actually saw that at London Fashion Week. Not that I'm a fashionista, we know this by now, but via <laughs> Jodie Harsh, the DJ, on her story, she did something at London. And there was exactly this, this model was put up on stage, spun around, and that dress did exactly that. And I was like, that would be good at Eurovision. And then lo and behold... Jaguar does it. So I was a little bit disappointed too because I absolutely love her. I think she's, she's great. Monty, Jaguar, thoughts? Yeah, I don't know much about her as an artist. I think I've only really seen the prism of, um, you know, seen her through the prism of uh, Australia Decide. But when she did Rabbit Hole, I thought it was one of the more interesting songs and interesting performances um, that, yeah. So I was really interested to see her back. And what a gimmick of a presentation. I just thought it worked really well. The dress went up in flames of those like... I hope that her shorts are flame retardant or that somebody's standing by just off camera with a, with a fire extinguisher because I, I was a little worried she was going to singe her minge at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, there's such intensity in this performance and I, I love that. And I, I, at the end, she was so emotional at the end. Um, and actually, you know, thank the audience for being with her the last couple of years. So I was going to ask you what that was about, because I don't know that much. But I think you said, you know, maybe I, I've seen she is a strong advocate against um, sexual violence. And, you know, I think she's a survivor of sexual violence herself. So if this is this kind of culmination of work to highlight that experience and raise awareness, then I can see why this would be so intense and so emotional for her. I, it, this was a, it was stunning for me. I absolutely adored it. Yeah, I think intense is the word. It was an intense performance. She really did bring it. So I, I think that the tears and the emotion at the end just was a natural sort of release of it all. So, yeah, really good, really good performance. I liked as well that, you know, the, the theme of the songs, from what I could tell, it was kind of about being in a coercive relationship. So, you know, and talking about gaslighting as well. So the lyrics are tried to keep me in the dark, like the corners of your heart, told me no one would believe, thought that you were in control. And it's got that kind of emancipation, that breaking free, that, you know, reclaiming your life um, uh, moment about it. So, you know, if that's all tied up in, you know, what the song means to her, what it's about and where it comes from, and it's from personal experience, I mean, Wow, I mean the 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 bravery to get up and you know put that part of yourself on display for judgment as well. Um, it, it, I mean that's just incredible. So there we are. Then there are all the songs that we're discussing today. Before we answer the question of who will be the Australian cherry this year, there's this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good. That is. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where we just like to reflect on something positive in the fandom there's some negativity there's some swiping and we love to see things that bring positivity so our good thing of the week that is good this week is Aussie Vision, our guests. (laughs) You and your amazing team are our good thing of the week because we love the the energy, the positivity that you bring to Eurovision. You know, the unique Australian slant that you bring to it, but also, you know, just the positivity. 
I mean, we said to you, when we, before we met you guys in Turin, we said you are the people that we are most looking forward to meeting. And it was just absolutely lovely when we finally did. And I I can't thank you enough for, you know, agreeing to be on the podcast today. It's absolutely lovely to have you here. And thank you for spreading so much Eurovision joy. Oh, thank you. That's so humbling. That's so lovely. And again, you were right at the top of our list of who we wanted to meet in Torino. And we just had such a fun night and such a lovely, lovely blokes. Hence why we are more more than happy to come here and uh, to share this podcast with you. But thank you. That's so humbling. Yeah, thank you. that is honestly so, so sweet to say. And like, you know, we we, lo- we couldn't do it without a team. So it's not just Mike and I. So it's thank you for acknowledging the team as well. Um, but I tell you what, that night in Turin, I think it took me a few days to get over that one. There was two <laughs> Averil sprints drunk that night. Just, just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all hammered, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I can consume Aussie Vision can drink, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're trying to spread the Australian, you know, way of life and uh, be yeah. good ambassadors for our people. Oh, and you two boys, you keep spreading yourself as much as well, please. We, we love oh, to we do. It. We love to see <laughs> it. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So before we reveal who is going to be the Australian cherry, just a reminder that the boys don't know. We haven't told them who it's going to be. So it's a surprise for them. And, yeah, I mean, Matt, you reveal what I think might be quite a surprise. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, the Australian cherry this year is... Sean Miley Moore, my buddy. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. you know what like monty i can hear how much you love that yeah and you're right it does really represent something wonderfully queer and amazing and you know he's gone from the bottom he came last place at australia size and he's on top of you guys (laughs) there's some jokes about bottoming in there too um i yeah i mean it was it obviously the, the second cherry is not just chosen by me and Matt for the benefit of anybody who's listening for the first time because uh, you're on his guest. Um, it's chosen by a team of five um, people. Matt and I just present the podcast and the five of us are involved in producing Second Cherry's a live show, which we did for 10 years before we, we did the podcast version as well. So between the, the team, I wonder if it was, you know, maybe the familiarity with Sean that made us pay a little more attention. But I think that what came through really clearly was we loved the queer positive message and, you know, we love to champion an artist like that. And yeah, I mean, if we're going to give somebody a a second chance, what what better way to give somebody a second chance than from elevating them from the last place in their national final? <laughs> yeah, good Look, it was a super vocal on the night. I thought he did a really good job and really, really shone through the camera. So I can see where the attraction is there. I haven't been this shocked 
since you didn't pick Bess for Finland. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to have a word with us for that, I'm not the one you need to have the word with. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to get together with Bob and we'll have a, we'll send in a, an email or something. <laughs> Can I just ask though, what uh, you guys would have chosen? So Dale, what, what would you have chosen as the cherry from that from that mix? Oh, I would have chosen, it'd be tight between Jaguar and Voyager, but I would just go Voyager for something different because I reckon none of us, oh, hang on, you got Finland, but it's just good. It's great. I love it. It should go in. Mike? Uh, I probably would have gone with Jaguar, to be honest, but um, Voyager probably would have got some attention as well. But um, yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, we like to mix it up. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't have been Sean Miley Moore, that's for sure. <laughs> not, not against him, just the song for me. No way. But you know what? I love, I love a good shock. Well done. I am shocked. I'm shook. <laughs> it was interesting because when you were talking about it earlier on, you say, you know, well, not only did he come last in the whole uh, competition, came last in your reader's poll as well. <laughs> Lesson. Let's see where he comes in second cherry, Excellent. which we will find out on the 11th of November. And we also have an announcement that this is the last regular episode in the show. This is it. This is our 14 entries, which means that voting is open now. Check our, <laughs> check our social medias. Matt, our social medias are at Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram second underscore cherry, Facebook Second Cherry Podcast, and you can email us at Hello at secondcherry.vision. That's Hello at secondcherry.vision. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think anybody could do that camping than me, but you're <laughs> <laughs> where can we find uh, you guys online? What's your socials and where, where can we find more of Dale and Mike and the team? Oh, you can get us on pretty much everything. You know, we're media, social media whores, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And we are now on TikTok. One of the younger members of the team is doing it, not us. Uh, it's all at Aussie Vision Net, N-E-T at the end of it. So but just look up Aussie Vision, you'll find us. We love to get on TikTok, Matt. It'll have to be your damn bag because you're the youngest <laughs> member of the team. <laughs> oh, that's troubling. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Boys, thank you for being our special guests. Uh, listeners, please do go and check out uh, the voting link and do vote for your favourite. And we're hoping to see many of you live in the RVT on the 11th of November. We will bring you a special podcast after that. And I think, Matt, we're going to do a little uh, wash-up episode between now and the live final. Yeah, probably. That's, Why not? That's looking blank at the other end of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I've only had one we coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah. Before we say goodbye to you listeners, let's say goodbye to Aussie Vision. Boys, thank you for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, look, it's been absolutely our pleasure. Certainly mine. I listen to you guys every week. Another fantastic uh, season. Have so much fun at the RVT. I'm sure it's going to be a wild night and I wish I could be there. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. It's been a great way for us to spend our Saturday night, not an early morning. Good luck with the event. It's such a great thing. I love the RVT. I was there many, many years ago, all the time in the 2000s, and I wish I was there for this event. Good luck. Thank, Thank you. you so and much. actually, I just want to say, although you won't be with us for the RVT, 
you will be with us next year in Liverpool because I believe you've booked some hotel accommodation. That's not an extortionate price. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as we said, uh, Liverpool was announced and we have the dates now for 2023. So we're all very much looking forward to that and to have you and to welcome you in the UK. Yeah, can't oh, wait. We'll be there. Great. Thank you very much for listening. Check out the voting and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.